Canucks Central Friday. It's got that winning feeling, at least for now. Canucks getting ready for the Pittsburgh Penguins. We are in the Kintec studio at Rogers Arena getting ready for the Canucks and Pittsburgh Penguins. It's Dan Riccio and Satyar Shaw. Canucks Central is brought to you by Grip Auto Entire. Quality service you can trust and 14 locations to serve you. A lot has happened in 24 hours. The Canucks get a win. They also have made a couple of trades. Yesterday, Jack Stadnika and a player we talked about extensively in the opening hour of the program, which you can go back and listen to on the podcast, Canuck Central. Subscribe, leave a review. We do appreciate it. But they just didn't wait for him to go on waiver set. They just ended up making a deal for Ethan Bear today. Yeah, uh, they did. And you started looking at how much money he was owed, $2.2 million on the cap, and how much cap space the Canucks actually had. They had to kind of work out something here and not take on the full freight of that contract. And what else they were able to do was add a player like Lane Peterson in the mix as well. Mm-hmm. So when we looked at possibilities to get uh, Ethan Bear, maybe waivers could be a possibility. But given the position they were in with his salary, where the Canucks were and what they were trying to look to do, a trade seemed to make more sense. And them getting another center or two, who is a bit older, but has another year of control beyond this season when he is an RFA, an organizational depth guy, right-handed centerman, Listen, we're talking about depth moves here, generally. Yeah. Ethan Bear perhaps has a bit more upside, and we'll talk about that coming up in a second. But the two moves this team made, and then you add in the Ethan Bear trade, and with that, of course, they get two centers, two right-handed centermen, guys that have some level of ability to play some roles for you. And what that means, well, that's going to be interesting to find out. But they do shore up a few areas for this team beyond just this season. It's... Really interesting to think about these moves in a big-picture perspective. In a vacuum, they didn't pay a lot to get the players that they did, but, of course, everything we view about the Canucks, especially with the way that they started the season, has to be not just with a how does this team helped by these moves right now, but also how does it help them a year from now, two years from now. So that is part of the conversation. But let's talk about Ethan Bear a little bit. A player I've really liked. I know there are some red flags. That's pretty obvious in the way that Edmonton was okay to move on from a young right shot D-man. That is a organization that is barren of quality defensemen, even still. And then there's Carolina. Looked like he was off to a good start there. Eventually gets out of favor with Coach Rod Brindamore, and while they came to a compromise this summer with his contract, signing for less than his qualifying offer was actually worth, it was clear that this was always going to end in Ethan Bear leaving the Carolina Hurricanes. It's, it's, it, anytime you see a player get moved on by two franchises, especially a young right-shot defenseman, it, it has to raise some question marks there, Sad. Well, of course it does, and that also is the reason why a young right-hand defenseman who has some NHL pedigree was traded with salary retention and only brought back a fifth-round pick. You know, so it kind of shows you how he has fallen from being a guy that obviously has a lot of talent, and that's why 
the Canucks got him for what they needed. I mean, got him for the price they paid. And he's the type of player that they have to kind of go after. The reclamation type of projects to see if you can unearth a gem somewhere. We've talked a lot about that. And you don't want to be overspending to acquire those players. You don't want to be trading second-round picks and and stuff like that and third-round picks. A fifth, now we'll talk about what that means in the big picture and what the Canucks could do or should do to add more draft picks. But it's not a high cost to see if you can get somebody to be more than what he's been so far. And let's first tackle why it didn't work out, number one, with the Carolina Hurricanes. Now, it's easy to look at the the Edmonton situation. One thing to keep in mind was they had a lot of young right-hand defensemen coming up. Yeah. Or they had a couple coming up. Broberg's a guy, obviously. Evan Bouchard came up and took a spot. Yeah. And I mean, so, so you start looking at the guys they've kind of had there. They got Barry. You know. Not Tyson Barry they signed. So... For his role, he was deemed expendable, and they went and got Warren Fogle. I think that was the main reason why, not just because they soured on him. I think they kind of valued, uh, valued other guys ahead of him. In Carolina, the COVID thing, obviously, he gets sick. But the way he plays, it's not safe enough when you already have Brent Burns being an offensive yeah. defenseman on the right side. And given how they want to play as a team, Ethan Bear just didn't fit the profile of what they wanted for the third-pair right-hand defenseman, essentially. Because of that... I don't think you really fit in yeah. on that team. Well, Carolina wants to be a team that, you know, doesn't open up. They don't give you they don't they don't give you anything easy, you know. They're they're a, a team that wants to make as few mistakes as possible when yeah. they are playing. And they do it well. It is a very unique style of play and it works for them. Hasn't worked fully in the playoffs yet, but we know how talented a team they are. We just saw them, you know, really bully the Canucks earlier this week without Ethan Bear in the lineup. So, yeah, I, I, you know, the the Carolina thing is... I, I can't look past how his first season in Carolina really worked out, Sat. He is playing with Jakob Slavin to start the season. By all accounts, and I, I tried digging through some of the reaction from Hurricanes writers and fan blogs and things of that nature and it was extremely positive you know you can find a few articles that are like we need to sign Ethan Bear right now like get him under an extension because he's about to have a big season next to Jakob Slavin he gets COVID in November never really recovers and never really regains form he talked about it at the end of the year how he really struggled with it, and he never really got his breath back and different things that caused him to have those struggles. And out of that, Rod Brindamore never really trusted him again in the way that he did at the start of that season. So it, it's really difficult for me to separate that as an actual uh, situation that happened for Ethan Bear. But there is you know, similar things that happened in Edmonton as to why he fell out of favor. There is... Like, This is what I can't get around, though, about the player and why I like him and why I think this is a good bet. In 1920, his first full season in the league was thought of as one of the potential rookies of the year. I know he ended up getting a couple of Calder votes. Played 1,300 minutes that year at 5-on-5. That was top five in the league. He and Darnell Nurse, they did, uh, you know, they, they handled scoring chances really well that year. That like that to me is one thing I can't get around. Like, hey, this guy played top pairing minutes in 1920 for a team that was one of the best in the league that year, and it's kind of just fallen off the face of the earth after that. Well, I think part of it is the trade doesn't work out in Carolina, but one thing he does 
do is make the odd egregious mistake, which leads to a real bad breakdown. Right. And if you look at it analytically, you're just like, well, this guy creates far more than he gives up, and that's true. But sometimes the quality of what he gives up is really bad. You yeah. know what I mean? If you look at kind of what happened the other game, for the Canucks, Guillaume Brisebois makes two real critical mistakes. One, he steps up and tries to uh, stop the uh, the puck from getting out of the getting getting out of the offensive zone when Put Colson's already in that space, misses it, leads to the Maddie Beniers goal. The uh, Jared McCann goal happens because he bites on a fake and steps up too high. When the blue line's already sealed, Jared McCann gets in and gets a breakaway, essentially. Those are the types of mistakes you can't make. And if you make, they, they lead to breakaways and really bad on-man rushes. And that type of mistake is something you do see from Ethan Bear from time to time. So if you're putting him into that high-level role, if he's not producing at a high-level level, or he, he makes the, those types of mistakes that end up costing, Co- coaches oftentimes end up not trusting those guys. Yeah. So they say, I like this player, but I need to shelter him a bit more. I can't play him those types of minutes. And all of a sudden, you start looking at him as a number five defenseman, maybe, right. a third pair guy, maybe a guy who could play in your top four if need be. But if that's kind of what you're looking for, then depending on what team you're on, what you're asked to do might be different. Is he a guy that can play on a third pair and be a safe right-hand defenseman? Probably not. That's not yeah. his instincts. He's a guy that jumps up into the play. You'll see it oftentimes now throughout the year with Vancouver. He steps up on the blue line. He will walk the line really well. He's really good on his edges. He likes to drag the puck in and get shots off. He loves jumping into the play. He loves looking for the backdoor play uh, when the puck's on the opposite side. He's very active on the blue line. That means you can get caught at times. This team has shown a real poor ability of rotating and covering for defensemen that pinch. And sometimes it's on the defenseman, not the pinch at a bad time, which leads to those types of mistakes. So those are the types of things that have gotten him into trouble. In Vancouver, this team struggles so much moving the puck, right? So he's going to be an added, he's going to be an improvement on a lot of things they have on the right side. And you might be able to live with it. Big picture, I don't know if he's going to be the answer because of those drawbacks. And and ultimately, he's probably a third-paired right-hand defenseman. And if he's not good enough defensively, you just have questions about how that fits in. That was essentially what happened with him in Carolina. Now, I think it's an odd situation or a different situation with Chatfield. Because Chatfield does all the things they want him to do, right? He, he's good at winning battles. He's fast. He, he's good at dumping pucks in. But that's all he does. Doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Doesn't jump into the play. Ethan Bear can't play that same type of a role, right? But in Vancouver, to your point, he'll get a chance to play top four minutes, probably right off the bat, essentially. Yeah. And if he gains some confidence and he fits into the system, then maybe he can provide something a bit extra. But overall, the reason I'm not over the moon... He's probably a third-pair defenseman, ultimately. For this year, though, I think he helps this team out. Yeah, you get to see if he can perform in a bigger role, at least for this year, right? You, you've got Myers. What do you have beyond that? You've got Luke Shen. You've got Kyle Burrows. Um, you know, you're, you're kind of looking for something, anything. It's almost like, uh, to a lesser extent, you'll see NFL teams that don't have you know, a quarterback that they're building around, they'll just keep taking chances on, on yeah. guys until yeah. they find something that, that works for them. That's kind of where the Canucks are at. And as much as people say, well, they haven't fixed the defense, I mean, now, if you look at it, they've added Ethan Bear, they added Riley Stillman, go back to last year, they added Travis Dermott. You know, so they have attempted to add some pieces that might help them out. They're essentially... They're looking for lightning in a bottle. They're yeah. looking to, to find a player that just fits and can play a role for them, maybe that's bigger than what they've shown in the past. They're turning over stones right now. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what they're doing. And 
they're not p- spending a lot of capital on it. They're spending the most they've spent was a third round pick acquiring yeah. Travis Dermott individually. Stillman was a part of the second round pick, of course, but it was to shed Jason Dickinson's contract. The, that was the, chief. The, the reason, reason they paid it. the bigger yeah. price is because of the salary. Now, now one thing you can kind of look at though, and same thing here with uh, Ethan Bear. With his cap hit being $1.8 million now after the retention, yeah. if the Canucks decide to flip him at the deadline and save half the salary or retain half the salary, it's a $900,000 hit. That's a tradable, movable asset. So if things don't work out with him, you can move him. Now, you're probably getting what you paid, a fifth-round pick, right? You're not getting anything higher than that probably. But you can probably get that back if he does okay at the deadline. You feel like, okay, he's not going to be the answer. You can flip it. Travis Dermott probably retains his value, same thing. Yeah. So at least the guys they've gotten are guys they could move. And we talked about this when this deal happened for Stillman. And I, I talked to a couple executives. They don't love Stillman, but they look at him as a tough guy who's willing and is young enough and he skates fairly well. Guys like that have value, especially when he has a cheap contract next season. Come this offseason, he might be worth you know, a late-round pick or yeah. something along those lines. So I think they can recoup some of that value and some of these guys are taking flyers on, which I think is a smarter way of going about it for them, but ultimately these are guys who aren't top four guys, and a lot of things have to align for them to become top four defensemen, but you take enough of those swings, maybe one of them becomes something right yeah. now, right? And Stillman's the first, uh, Stillman was the second guy they brought in, the first guy was Dermot, now they're bringing Ethan Barron. Can one of those guys become something? And if maybe not this one, is the next deal you make for that type of a guy, the one that finally breaks to, through. I mean, to hit on those types of deals, you have to take so many of those swings. You can't take too many and, and deplete your assets, and yeah. that's why you don't want to be trading too many picks. But the positive is the defensemen they've acquired have retained value in some way if you want to flip them. So that 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 is an interesting part of this. You know, I, the reason I, uh, I I wonder about Bear, the, the one stat that stood out to me and probably plays into to your feeling of the player. Sometimes the mistakes are just too big. Um, if you look at his numbers, his on-ice save percentage of 5-on-5 five five is, is either 90 or below. And at 5-on-5, five five, that's not a great number. You know, you'd, you'd like that. Like the Canucks 5-on-5 five five save percentage last year was best in the league, but it was over 93, right? So, yeah. it, you know, <laughs> having it below 91 or 90 or below that, you know, shows that, you know, either one, there's really bad goaltending going on behind the player, or it's a little bit of both where the player's just giving up chances that are too great and they have a higher chance, a higher likelihood yeah. of actually going in the back of the net. And that's kind of been been his big issue. And if you watch him in his own zone, at times he does get into trouble. And, you know, I see the sentiment because if the Canucks played a better team structure, that maybe you overcome some of these flaws individual players have sometimes. And that's true. And I saw uh, Jabo Vancouver reply to uh, one of the tweets about uh, adding Ethan Bear and his defensive issues that I have some concerns concerns about defensively. I didn't reply on Twitter, but I was thinking about it. And it's true. If the Canucks have a better structure, then it helps with you know the team overall and some of their defensive habits and they overcome them. But a big part of structure is players understanding the structure and players executing the structure yeah. and players having the discipline to play within that type of structure. And that's the, the big thing to also keep in mind here is it's great to have that. You also have to have the players that are able to execute what you're asking of them. And that's something that comes down to decision-making. Like the pinches we talk about at times, right, and where you are positionally, what you're kind of thinking about, where you're tracking, all those things really matter. And if you're not in the right position, it doesn't matter 
if you can't understand where to be, it doesn't matter what structure they're trying to teach you. So yeah. it does come down to the players ultimately executing that type of structure. But obviously, if the Canucks could play a better overall team game, it would help them overcome some of their individual flaws on the back end. There is no denying, though, they need more offense from their back end. Absolutely. And Ethan Bear will help them in that sense. Well, 100%. And, and the other thing it does, and I see people asking the question, like how, how different is a guy like Ethan Bear from Tyler Myers? If you look at it analytically, maybe you don't see a lot of difference. You might even see a lot of positives. Definitely a lot more positives in Ethan Bear's game. The differentials are far more encouraging yeah. and better. But they're completely different players. Because Tyler Myers is a big guy. He's kind of physical. Positionally, he's not too bad. He knows how to PK and stuff like that. Those are the types of things Ethan Bear doesn't really do. So the role that a Tyler Myers would play is far different from what Ethan Bear would play. So it's not fair to look at it and say, you know, how different are these two guys? But the overall idea of how much worse are you if you're playing Ethan Bear versus Tyler Myers is a fair question. And one thing it does do, now that you have Ethan Bear, who could perhaps play a top four role for you for the time being, you could put him with OEL, for instance. You have Hughes yeah. and Shen, and maybe you end up moving a Tyler Myers because now you feel like you have a top four that can play minutes for you. You're probably not making the playoffs with that. You're probably not, you know, going far with that right now. But maybe you feel like it keeps you competitive enough for you to make some other deals? Do you feel more comfortable now with the depth you have on the right side if Dermot comes back too, that you can move one of those guys out now? And that's one of the things I look at when they've added a couple centers now, they've added a defenseman. You have some options if you want to move on some of your bigger contract guys. It's uh, th that That's going to be a big part of this too because, you know, when it comes to Myers, when it comes to Pearson, you know, those are some of the players that maybe you move on from or are able to move on from as their deals get closer to expiring. And, you know, if I look at some of the best defensemen in the league and who their pairing partners are at times, it's not always pretty. You know, of course, Colorado has a luxury not many teams have right now, that they have Devon Taves and Kale McCarr playing as their top pair is, I mean, it's lights out. It's the best pair in the league. Yeah. We all know it. But Adam Fox, who does he play with in New York? Ryan Lindbergh, you know, Lindgren. Not, not, not many people would say Ryan Lindgren's a, uh, a number one pair defenseman. We saw Luke Shen play an admirable role with Quinn Hughes here last year. Who was playing big minutes in the playoffs last year next to Victor Hedman? Ruda, Yanni Ruda, you know, like that's not a guy you would think of as a top pair D-man, but you know, this is kind of the thing for the Canucks. They need to find a younger option to put next to Quinn Hughes, and they have to keep taking chances at who that player might be. I'm not saying it's Ethan Bear, but again, they've got to start taking some chances on players. That's what they've done here. Now, what, one, th and one thing I will say, too, is, and I see people mentioning how, like, hey, is he good at all or whatever, Ethan Bear, and you know, he couldn't crack Carolina or Edmonton. True. Right now, they have guys like Guillaume Breezeball playing games for them. Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Hal Burroughs is playing 20-some minutes a game. Like, well, we're not we're not talking about somebody coming in here being, you know, a world beater for you. It's, like, look at the guys he's going up against. And well, who's Ethan Bear is, more, like, he's an NHL defenseman on more teams than Jalen Chatfield would be. Yes, but Chatfield is a better fit on Carolina than, yes. than Ethan Bear is. So that's more of the reason why he wasn't getting played in Carolina. And obviously... The way things went last year, I mean, his, his exit meeting, he was basically like, I, you know, I want I want a fresh start, you know. So uh, it, it just wasn't a great situation for him in Carolina. So I think there is reason for optimism that he'll find more of his game that he had in Edmonton uh, from a couple of years ago. 
Now, the long-term ramifications of this, Sat. Yes. You know, it's we're going to get to talk to Patrick Alvin a little bit later on, just before 6 o'clock, so keep tuning in to Canuck Central for that. But, you know, they've now spent a second-round pick. they spent a fifth-round pick to add some defensemen, open up some cap space. Um, th- this is a team that I think a lot of people would like to just see them take a slow-play approach. But clearly, that is not the approach that this team is currently taking. Would you rather they just sort of let this ride out, or would you? Do you like seeing Patrick Alvine, you know, shaking and moving and trying to make some things happen? Well, here's where it, it's so easy to do the let, let's evaluate this and do the what are you doing trading draft picks and. Obviously, you'd rather hang on to picks. You got to think long term and all those sort of things. We have to understand. You have to know what the plan is. Do we know what the plan is? Well, I mean, we've heard some things, but we're not quite sure what it truly does entail and what it's going to look yeah. like and how it will be executed. But if the plan here is, and I think there's reason to believe this could very well be the plan, that you are looking to recoup a lot of those by flipping some guys out that you have here. One thing they've done now with these deals, and especially with the season getting off to the start they've had, and yes, it does help them in the moment. It gives them a bit more added depth, but it backfills for you to do other things now. Yeah. They don't have much cover. Like Even if you want to punt on the season, there wasn't much to do. And even if you wanted to do it, like you're in a position where literally you didn't have bodies to come up, play center, come up and play center field. Like Even if yeah. you want to rebuild this thing, it can't be in a position where you're playing wingers in the AHL. Yeah as centers here in the NHL. Like, that's just, you know, you, you still have a product you're trying to sell. You still have something people are paying to show up for. There has to be a level of professionalism, and there has to be a level of at least something you have that you can throw out there and, and ha- put together something, a semblance of a hockey team, right? Especially start making big moves off the roster. So now you have the backfill here for you to make a few things happen. And if you are moving, say, two forwards out, yeah, Lane Peterson and J- Jack Stadnika, they can play you know, in your top 12 this season. Yeah. Studnika maybe fills a top nine role, see how he survives. Can, can he do it or not? It gives you the rest of the season to find out. Lane Peterson, defensively responsible. He's fa- fast, right-hand centerman. He can probably give you some decent minutes, just some sort of cover through the rest of the season. Ethan Bear on the right right side and on the back end. Well, now if you're looking to move somebody, if you are maybe looking to move Myers or somebody has interest for a playoff push, right-hand defenseman of physicality, now you have some options here. Yeah. You know, and even if you decided that maybe Travis Dermott isn't it, he comes back and plays a few games, maybe you fetch something for him. So there is, if your plan here is to flip some guys out and to churn the roster still and get some of those draft picks back, then, I, then I'm fine with doing this because it fits in with the overall plan. I, I don't think you can separate that this team wanted to be a playoff team, expected to be a playoff team this year. Mm-hmm. And it's gone off the rails so quickly to the moves that have been made here. But you're right. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't strip them of the flexibility to make some moves, let's say, at the deadline. They would like to see this team turn it around. And they very well could turn it around a little bit. But I have to believe Patrick Alvin at his word that they're not in a position to lose players for free with where they're at in their organization's build. And if you get to a situation closer to the deadline where teams are calling on Luke Shen, well, you don't have another year of control on him. 
maybe that's when you have to pull the trigger and make a move. Kyle Burrows, who's shown really well, could he be a depth defenseman for a playoff team? Absolutely. You're gone for a six-round pick. Yeah. You know, like those are those are the types of things that I still think are very much a possibility for the Vancouver Canucks if this season doesn't doesn't get back on track in any way. And then you still have the backfill of yeah, you, if you move Shen and if you move him, well yeah. now you at least have. Uh, Dermot, who can play the right side if need yeah. be. You have Meyer still, and you have Ethan Bear. You have options here, and there shouldn't be any excuse to not make deals, especially if this team's not in it as the season goes on. Yannick Hansen, his take on uh, how the Canucks look after their first win of the season. We know he never really pulls any punches, but his take on the trades they've made over the last 24 hours as well. That's next on Canuck Central. Canuck Central in the uh, portable Kintec studio. We're at Rogers Arena. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. Canuck Central is brought to you by Grip Auto and Tire. Quality service you can trust. And 14 locations to serve you. Excited for Canucks Penguins. Get to watch Sidney Crosby and, and Evgeny Malkin. And Gino Malkin. So excited to watch. Honestly, it's, it's such a treat anytime you get to watch those guys play. It's such a treat, especially now that they're getting into the latter stages of their career. The twilights of their career. Yeah, so to speak. Crosby's just sick still. It's insane how good he is. 11 points on the air. Oh, Probably the so best good. part is Jake Gensel. Like, if you're a Canucks fan, hoping they make it back-to-back. Jake Gensel's not playing. Uh, that helps. He's like one of the ultimate like Canuck killers, man. Mm-hmm. Guy is mm-hmm. just torched. Yeah. Vancouver. Crosby, 11 points on the season. Malkin, 7. They're still point-of-game players in the yeah. league. <clears throat> yep. It's Jake incredible, Hensel. Crosby, like how uh, how dominant he is still at his age as, yeah. a, as a two-way player. Uh, let's uh, bring in our next guest. He is Yannick Hansen. He joins us every Friday on Canuck Central. This analyst is brought to you by the Magnuson Auto Group, Metro Ford, Port Coquitlam, and Magnuson Ford in Abbotsford on both sides of the Fraser to serve you. Yannick, the Canucks finally got a win. Yeah, it was good to see. Uh, it was obviously well needed, uh, maybe maybe more so around the team than uh, than on the team, but it definitely sent uh, a sense of relief uh, just about everywhere. How much stress does it put on when you're like in that sort of a losing streak? I know you hadn't, you didn't have, you were blessed to have not too many of them in your career, but you know, does it just get really tough in the room when things are are going as badly as they were for Vancouver recently? Yeah, it's no different than the individual players. You you want to get that uh, that zero away from your uh, your stat line as quick as possible, and and especially in the win column, um, everything is better when you win. Uh, you wake up fresher. It doesn't feel like the game yesterday was as hard. Uh, you have more energy. A um, couple of jokes get cra- uh, cracked around the dressing room. It's just a different feel. Uh, life is easier, to, to be to be honest. Well, and as far as how the players responded uh, in the game, I mean, there was the three fights that happened right off the bat. You saw Tanner Pearson stand up for Sheldon Drys, who got blown up by Adam Larson. And then JT Miller ended up um, getting into a fight as well. And then, of course, uh, we saw Kyle Burrows drop the gloves as well, and even Bo Horvat almost got into the fray. Plus, we saw JT Miller block that shot late. So as far as the desire and the fight, did those things show you anything last night? 
Yeah, because because it wasn't your usual suspects who was doing it. Uh, I, I can't remember the last time Tanner Pearson has has had a fight. Obviously, Miller has done it a couple of times, uh, but both of them pick guys that were out of their uh, weight class, if you will. Um, so so it showed a, a level of commitment that uh, we'll do a little bit more tonight uh, in order to get this win, uh, trying to kind of uh, rally the troops, if you will. Um, and it worked to some extent. I mean, I mean, they got the win. Uh, was it pretty? Uh, no. Was it the way you, you'd like to win hockey games? No, but they got it, and you have to start somewhere. And so it was good to see um, a different level of, of engagement, if you will, not just let not just roll over and die here. Um, so, so it was nice to see uh, pushback, and not just from Burroughs or Shen, uh, who, who's been doing a lot of this uh, media stuff. No, they, it was a little bit more uh, of, of a buy-in throughout the lineup, and, and maybe it, it got them a little bit of juice, but, but definitely it got them a win, and let's see where that can take them. Yannick Hansen, our guest here on here on Canuck Central. So, coming out of the uh, out of the victory, you know the, the Canucks have now made uh, trades in uh, the last 24 hours. They get Jack Stadnika from Boston, and today the big acquisition of, of Ethan Bear. I mean, it just feels like uh, the organization is is looking for some solutions at two really key er, key areas: a right shot defense and uh, a right shot center as well. Uh, what what do you make of the trades the Canucks made? Yeah, again, they're they're fringe players. Um, you, you hope that uh, Ethan Bear will will do something in Vancouver that he didn't do in Edmonton and he didn't do in Carolina. Um, he, he's on his third team now in, in a short uh, amount of time here, so he's at a point where he'll need to to figure out and and show whether or not he belong or, or he's going to be a journeyman, if you will. Uh, like you guys mentioned, uh, he's a right shot defenseman. It's something they could really need here. Um, Again, give him give him some time, see where he fits fits in. They, they didn't give up a, a whole lot in order to get him, so it's one of those um, projects, if you will. And hopefully, it it turns out um, only only Ethan himself can uh, can really prove that. Well, and you know, one thing that it does do is they add a little bit of depth here for the team, and it doesn't mean they're necessarily going to go out and make a bunch of different trades later on. But anytime you start seeing some depth guys kind of come in here, I think it also starts maybe kind of showing the other guys that hey, your spots aren't guaranteed. Guys are going to get healthy and come back. There'll be other decisions to be made. So, can that have a bit of an impact to get guys going a little bit? You can hope so. You always want internal competition, whether it's uh, it's in Abbotsford or on that lather right between Abbotsford and Canucks. Uh, but but definitely it puts the the bottom of your lineup uh, on notice that hey, there's uh, two guys coming in here that uh, nobody really went out the other way. So if guys aren't performing, aren't doing their 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 duties, well, we have two new guys now that will come in and they will take somebody's job, um, and that is really. The only place you can hurt these guys is, is threaten their their livelihood, if you will. Um, and sometimes it creates that spark. Sometimes you find a guy uh, that other teams have have overlooked um, that just happened to fit into your style, into your your dressing room. Um, again, you didn't give up too much, so so it's a couple of, of projects, and hopefully something pans out. Um, time will tell. You know, with with Ethan Bear, his uh, his rookie season in nineteen twenty played over thirteen hundred minutes, uh, mostly next to to Darnell Nurse. That's uh, you know that was a top five number in the league. So he was clearly relied upon a ton, and then sort of just fell out of favor with Edmonton and never really got in favor in in Carolina. Does does that say anything to you that you know even though it's a a, a talented player 
just coaches haven't been able to trust him recently? Yeah, that, that's that, that's the thing. Um, again, if you're an offensive puck moving defenseman, um, you you have two options. Either you got to be really good defensive and not give up anything, or you got to put up a ton of points. Um, and in all likelihood, he probably haven't done those two. Otherwise, he would have stuck where he was. Um, and that's where I mean, he needs to find out what type of player he is, what type of player he's going to be going forward. Because, uh, like I mentioned, your third team in in a short order here, um, you're running out of out of goodwill, if you will. And uh, so, so it's about time to ha- for him to hammer down his, his style and how he wants to play and and whether or not he wants to to make a career out of it. Um, obviously, being entrusted to to that amount of minutes playing with with Nurse in, in Edmonton, they saw something in him. Um, whether or not um, it just didn't pan out or they brought somebody else in, um, it, it's hard to judge. Uh, but again, um, there are always question marks when these young defensemen that are highly touted get gets um, get moved around with this much frequency well and that's the big thing because oftentimes you see you know some of the analytics and it's like yeah this guy creates more chances than he gives up and he looks like a positive player why is he not getting opportunities but if you're not adding enough offense and those mistakes that you make end up being big egregious mistakes then you can't really have trust with the coach, right? I think that's the big thing here. I mean, we kind of saw an example of it, um, I think even last night, Guillaume Brisebois, for instance, the two goals that happened. One is on the pinch where Put Colson's already standing, leads to the Matty Beneers break going the other way. And then on the Jared McCann goal, he kind of bites up too high when the guys are standing by the blue line. Next thing you know, he goes in and he gets a great A scoring chance and he scores. And you might look at his stats, and this is not what happened, but he may have had like five or six good ones and two mistakes. But those two mistakes are really costly. So we can't just always look at the numbers right those the types of mistakes guys make those are the ones that usually end up losing faith with the coaches isn't it yeah that, that that's always the, the the tug and the tug and pull here if you will with the coaches do you do you give more to your team than you give up um and bruce famously said this with ovechkin he was fine with this because he knew that he would do that in, in the other end um but again young players they, they need to be they need to make sure that they are good in their own end you earn your trust first and then, then the other stuff will come. If you jump right in from whether it's junior or the minors and think you can come right back in and, and be that 60-point guy and take your chances uh, and do these things, um, it, it won't work. So, so you have to take care of your other end first. You have to earn that trust. And that comes from being safe. It comes from playing a little bit boring. It comes from maybe not playing up to the player you think you are to think you the player you want to be uh, but that's how you get your foot in once your foot is in and you have earned that trust then you can start to venture out a little bit uh, do some of these things because you know you won't get benched or or sat or sent down the first two three four times you make a mistake now because you have proven over a, a certain amount of time now that that you can be a dependable player and then if you start adding these offense, then, then we're starting to talk about you're, you're going to get a whole lot more from your coaches. So one thing uh, about the Canucks right now, they obviously have uh, a few injuries and it's, it's affecting the way that they're able to play the game. And we almost can't expect them to control the game on a lot of nights with the amount of injuries they've had, especially on the back end and missing Quinn Hughes. But they've also talked a lot about, you know, changing certain things about the way that they play sat. And I've noticed that there's maybe like a, a bit of a man to man sort of defense going on in their own zone. It's, it's always sort of hard to tell unless you know exactly what's being uh, said in that room and being put on the boards. But 
Like, can you go away from your game plan when it's still trying to be implemented this early in the season to simplify things, or do you just have to stick with it and hope it starts to work? No, whatever you've done in preseason and then training camp, you've got to stick with it because that's what you've been, been preaching, that's what you've been showing, uh, and you've got to trust in it. Otherwise, why, why throw it up in the first place? Uh, so you've got to kind of stick with it. Yeah, it hurts. Injuries are never fun, especially when a guy like, like Hughes goes out of the lineup, but it happens to every team. And you have to have this next man up mentality, because uh, because if you if you bend and you get broken over a couple injuries, well, well nobody's going to feel sorry for you. Uh, every team is dealing with this, um, so so you got to find a way. And again, it's all these cliches about next man up, buy in, do a little bit extra, just give a little bit more here and there, and, and we'll be fine. But that is basically what it comes down to. Um, you, you can sit and cry all you will about uh, missing guys that are sitting up in the press box, but, but it's not going to help you 7 o'clock tonight when that puck's drop. It, it's those uh, guys that are on the ice, on the bench, ready to go, and, and those are the guys that have to get the job done. It, it's it's pretty much that simple. You can do all your X's and O's, um, but if, if guys aren't performing, aren't executing, aren't finishing their checks, aren't blocking shots, you, you, you're not going to win. Um, so it it always it always boils down to the players that are on the ice that are making the the decision in the moment, uh, and, and then you hope that uh, you've given them all the tools they need in order to execute and do it proper, and then you can only hope from for for the best if you're on the outside. We've talked a lot about uh, the Canucks star players up front not playing up to their level so far. I mean, JT was talked about. We talked about Bo, of course, as well. But on the back end, I wanted to get your thoughts on the way Oliver ekman Larson has been playing so far this season. I'm seeing a guy who's struggling quite a bit so far, and he actually acquitted himself pretty well last year. We talked about how there's still you know, a lot here to give for him after coming over in the trade. Is it concerning seeing him struggle this way? Do you see a way out from him? What are you seeing in his game? Yeah, it's it's concerning because of what you're paying him. Um, again, you're always looking to maximize your dollar, and and obviously you're not getting it from him. Uh, and then you start wonder, oh, what if you would have had those three or four million? He's not really providing. You could have spent them elsewhere. We could have gotten this and that. Uh, and again, he he is. Um, I maybe had my colored glasses on when I thought of OEL because I always thought about the player I played against. And that's obviously not who he is anymore. Um, so again, he, him coming back to that, I don't see happen. He has to find a way to, now case in point, he has to pick up a lot of minutes. He has to be the quarterback power play guy that he was. Um, so he has some big shoes to fill when Quinn goes out of the lineup. When Quinn is in the lineup, that that's where he needs to to provide more than he has. Um, and again, whether, whether that's getting out of his own end clean, moving pucks up, uh, joining the rush that he was so good at, um, the defensive side of his game was was never really his strong suit. Um, so again, that that's probably an area where he has to clean up and where he can do more. The the, the problem with that is when you're paying a guy seven million, it's not enough. Um, so, so it'll always be that that um, uh, what do you say? Ankle weights around your, your your leg when you're dragging a guy around that's making too much money because it's money you could have spent elsewhere. Um, so you're hoping that he'll come out, bounce out, put up these 40, 50 pounds or uh, points. Do I see it happen? 
not really, because as soon as Quinn jumps in, he, he's losing so much of that offensive uh, time that, that you need in order to produce. So it, it is a little bit concerning, to be honest. So Andre Kuzmenko, he scores his second goal last night. Both have come on the uh, on the power play. He's had a ton of chances, not a lot of finish to his game, at least at five on five. What do you see out of Kuzmenko now that we're uh, eight games in? He's shifty. Um, he's shifty. He does get these chances. Again, I'd like to see him beat a goalie. Uh, you, you mentioned he's had he's had two tap ins on the back door. Uh, that that that's not enough. Um, He's playing in the top six. He's playing with PD. He's getting these chances. Uh, I can't remember what game it is, but he gets set up on the back door where PD puts a point, a uh, puck down to him on the goal line, and he misses it. It's these ones where you'd like to see him finish off the, the scoring chances. Um, so again, he he scored last night. That's always good for for a goal scorer uh, to get that thing because it feels like okay, now the next one might go in. Um, but but again, you, you'd like you'd like to get a little bit more out of him. Um, you mentioned he he's had his looks, he's had his opportunities. Um, so again, if you get some scoring from him as well, it'll it'll only push this team in the right direction. Uh, last night it was great to see Mikheyev uh, get on the board. It's one of those things when you come to a new team, you you want to help the team, you want to prove you can be a, a part of the solution, push this team in the right direction, and again. Scoring a goal goes a long way for, for a new guy. Um, no different than the team getting his, its first win. He needed to get his first goal, kind of feel like that he's he's part of the group, if you will. Um, so again, you, could, you can squeeze out a little bit more out of every, everybody, uh, and it'll go, it'll go a long way. Well, and, you know, the, the big, big thing, too, overall now for this team is trying to get more out of some of these young players, too. Jack Rathbone's getting a chance here on the back end. I like some of the things I've seen from him. And uh, this year was also supposed to be a year we saw Vasily Podkolzin maybe take a step up and get that opportunity. And, and I liked a lot of what I've seen from him. But one thing is becoming clear, the head coach does not seem yet sold on the player. He's had a couple of games where he's played 15, 16 minutes, generally been around that 11, 12-minute mark, played you know under 10 minutes last night in Seattle. What are you seeing in his game? Yeah, it's um, he, he got more ice time definitely than last year, uh, and he earned a trust out of camp. Um, uh, he's had quite a few games with Petey now. He has that type of style that you'd love to see in the top six um, that doesn't rely as much on, on finesse. Um, he can make the pretty plays, um, but he drives the net. He's a big body. He gets in on the forecheck. Um, he probably needs uh, some more seasoning to really round out to see what type of player he is. Um, but, but he's in the same boat as Kuzmingo we just talked about is when when you're playing these minutes with your top centers if you will you you, you got to produce uh, you got to find a way to put pucks in the net um, otherwise somebody else will get that role if you're just providing this energy I'm talking about uh, bottom six is your place then um, but but again if if you're getting these looks you you need to give us a little bit more otherwise uh, you you'll uh, you'll lose um, you lose ice time you'll lose opportunities uh, and you'll get put in a in a spot where offense will be a lot harder to come by what's the most impressive thing about Sidney Crosby <laughs> that he's still doing it what he's doing uh, at yeah. this age he's been doing it for what is it 17 years now 16 years um, yeah uh, and it just seems like he's not the fastest guy. He's not the strongest guy. He doesn't shoot the hardest, but he, he puts up the points every single year. 
Um, I remember playing against him uh, not too many times, but but but, but sometimes. Um, and it's like the yeah, Crosby was playing, and we lost to Pittsburgh, but it wasn't flashy or anything. And you look at the score sheet afterwards, and he's got three points, and his faceoff percentage is sixty-five percent, and uh, he hasn't been in his own end when you dive into the deeper stats. Um, but again, it, it just wasn't flashy or isn't flashy with him. He had his his moments where he scores these goals, but he's just the best when he's out there. Uh, now, also before we let you go, I have to also ask you about Yevgeny Malkin. What makes him so special and has made him so special? Uh, the size and the skill. Um, we, we always talk about uh, speed and skill, uh, but when you combine that with, with size is, is when you get some of these guys that are almost impossible to play against. And there aren't too many of them around in the league where when they feel like they want to do something, they can just do it and nobody's really going to stop them. Um, he, he has another gear um, just out of his sheer size where it doesn't really matter how the game evolves. Um, he, he can find a way to, to dominate it, uh, whether it's through skill, through speed, or, or just strength. So it, it's, it's some strings, strings you have to play on when you have players like that that makes you a matchup nightmare. Yannick, we appreciate the time as always. Thanks for this. Thank you. Enjoying the game tonight. Yes, absolutely. There is uh, Yannick Hansen, our Friday analyst, as always, and he's brought to you by Magnuson Auto Group. A couple of notes for tonight's game. Uh, Bruce Boudreau just speaking with the media. Looks like Spencer Martin is going to play. Yeah. Uh, for this one, Jack Stanika will take warm-up but is unlikely to play for the Vancouver Canucks. Bruce Boudreaux likes to get a player in to practice before getting him yeah. into the lineup, so maybe not too unexpected there. And it uh, looks like JT Miller will be able to go for tonight after the big shot block last night. Yeah, so it looks like he's good. Ethan Bear is supposed to arrive in town tomorrow, seems to be the expectation. So could see all the new guys, or at least two of the new guys, on Tuesday when the Canucks host the New Jersey Devils. Uh, the New Jersey as well yeah that's reverse uh, retro the first game with johnny canuck on the uh on the crest for the vancouver canucks with the reverse retros you know three more years we get to see uh crosby malkin and latang together uh pretty incredible that the penguins have been able to keep them all together with all the uh wonder there was at the start of the year if they would be able to do that but thing is the Penguins might be a cup contender again this year. Like, the yeah, way they've looked I mean, so far. I know they just lost in, in Alberta, but you know, if those guys stay healthy, the Penguins may have a shot at making some noise in the East. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I never count out the Penguins as long as Malkin and Crosby are both healthy and Latang. If those three guys are healthy in the postseason yeah. and their goaltending isn't just a massive abyss of sadness, I like the chances they have, right? Like, I really have a ch- I really like their chances. I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> laughing, but, like, massive abyss of sadness. <laughs> Figure I'd mix it up a little bit here. But, no, but what I mean is, like, really bad goaltending, yes. right? And, like, and what's sadder than bad goaltending in the playoffs? Not much. No. We've seen that here in Vancouver, bad goaltending in the playoffs. It's, it absolutely is gut-wrenching because you, you know you don't have a chance of winning. So unless that's the case, you should always be wary of this team. But with, with how they play, the depth they have on the squad, they are a little bit quicker this year. But, yeah, man, I, I'm i super excited to watch Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin tonight, and I'd love to see them make another deep run. The hockey shop in Surrey is moving to Langley. Their last day in Surrey is November 14th, and they'll reopen in Langley November 19th. Details at the hockey shop. 
Dot com. It's a Friday. We've got Mailbag Friday coming up next on Canuck Central. <laughs>